everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manicherry and today's episode is all about finding your passion within the profession of dentistry and our guest is the wonderful Dr. Jonathan Fitzpatrick who is a general dentist based in Glasgow and in today's episode Jonathan and I talk about um, how he found his passion within dentistry, how he had to do a lot of trial and error to find what he was good at and what he liked and enjoyed doing most and how that's worked really, really well for him and how he's used social media to contribute um, to his success. And we talk about his experience with teaching for Alina Consulting. Um, So I really, really hope you enjoy this episode and without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me today as well. It's a pleasure to have you. Before we start um, on this episode, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please? Yep. So I'm uh, Jonathan Fitzpatrick. I am an associate GDP uh, based in Glasgow and I work in private practice and I'm very lucky, I feel very lucky that my practice is now kind of fully limited to Invisalign and kind of ortho-restorative cosmetic cases. Uh, So I work in practice four days a week and then I normally spend a day or two per week doing some teaching with uh, Invisalign and with Aligner Consulting um, to help to run some of the certification courses for Invisalign Go for GDPs and also to help run some further training uh, in the Invisalign system to just really help dentists to develop their knowledge and understanding and improve their case results for their patients. So you've done a lot. I think you graduated the same year I did, 2015. So we're still yep. relatively very young and early in our career. Um, how did you find your passion within the within the profession? Because I remember when I graduated I really didn't know what I wanted to do I think I I was thinking about specializing I think when you're an undergrad and when you're in the system it's very much geared towards okay the next thing is now DFT then it's DCT1 then it's DCT2 and I kind of got stuck in that system and I did that thinking I'm going to specialize in ortho and then when it came down to it I was like actually I don't think I want to be a specialist and I don't think I want to do more training in hospital I just kind of want to get out there and do the real stuff dentistry and find out what I like what was it like for you at what point did you decide that this is what I want to do yeah so it's probably quite an interesting story um, and probably not all that normal uh, in terms of my pathway so when I was at university like I knew from then that I didn't want to specialize and I kind of wanted to get out of the more academic uh, side of things as soon as possible because I really just like doing like hands-on clinical dentistry. Um, I now do cosmetic dentistry essentially full-time but that I was really not a natural um, at like a lot of the kind of especially restorative hands-on aspects when I was at uni so like I would remember like sitting in some of the preclinical skills labs and we would be kind of doing our first restorations on the plastic taste. I would look over at my partner's work and I would be like, oh my God, like <laughs> mine's looks nothing like that. Like I, I just didn't have the, like I'm, I'm not actually naturally like a very artistic person. Um, so 
I, I just felt like I was like, I'll, I will never be able to do like really, really nice restorative dentistry. So like I'm definitely don't have a, like a natural aptitude or anything. So when I got to maybe like third or fourth year, I started to think, right, my options are maybe going to be fairly limited that I want to do something hands-on, but some of the intricacies of some of the composite work that we were doing, crown preps, etc. I was just like, yeah, I, I maybe just don't have the aptitude for it. So I started like, everyone who knows me will think this is really weird, but um, I started to think oral surgery. And I thought like, I can probably, I was quite good at doing extractions and I was quite good in oral surgery at uni. And I thought, right, I can maybe make a go of this, like doing oral surgery, which now like I don't take teeth out like at all really. And uh, wisdom teeth, like anything surgical is really like now, like not my sort of bag at all. So um, I started to think about that purely because I thought that was all I would be able to do. Um, which, and again, now, some of the surgical things like I have no chance with those like those guys are unbelievably like more skilled than what I am so um but at the time it was just really doing like wisdom teeth and things like that at uni so I thought I could do that and then um I basically graduated and and just went into general dentistry so I, I did VT um at the practice that I'm still currently at and I probably did what quite a lot of young dentists probably do is that I kind of fell into a little bit of a routine. So I did VT and then I stayed on as an associate at the practice. And I had no real like passion for any real area of dentistry, if I'm being honest. I probably wanted to use the first few years to try to get a bit better at everything and get quite a good grounding. So I probably went through the first like three, four, five years of my career doing general dentistry I started to get like a little bit better at treatment planning at carrying out all the procedures I was always good with patient management and managing relationships with patients um, and it was probably on a little bit of a treadmill that you just go to work every day you see your list of patients and then you come home um, so I, I did that for a while to be honest and then it wasn't probably until I was maybe five, five years qualified or so that I was like four and a half, five years. That I was like, right, I've kind of got to grips with dentistry and I've got my skills to a fairly reasonable level. And I thought, let's now start to think about where I kind of want to go with things next and what I can introduce into practice next. Now, I had actually done Invisalign training in 2017. So like I was doing Invisalign, but it wasn't a big part of my practice. I maybe did eight to 10 cases a year. Like if I was lucky, like maybe not even that many for a few years. So I probably had this belief in my head that Invisalign wasn't for me. Like I thought I've done the course. It's never really taken off. Um, I looked at some of these guys in social media that were doing tons of cases and doing beautiful cosmetic work. And I just thought, you know, that's almost like a different profession to what I'm in and what I can do. I, I thought they're almost like a, a different species of human, to be honest, with what <laughs> some of those guys are doing is like unbelievable. So I thought maybe we'll go back and start doing some implant training. And I thought, right, like if I can find like something to break up my general dentistry, then maybe implants is the way forward. 
So started doing, during lockdown actually, started doing some implant training. Sort of introduction to implants with uh, one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Ferhan Ahmed, who's uh, an amazing implant surgeon from Glasgow. And we quickly realised that, uh, again, yeah, oral surgery is not my thing. <laughs> so we basically had a few one-to-one meetings, uh, Zoom meetings during lockdown. And it just like, it really sat me down and it was the first person in my career that had said, like sat me down and said, like, what do you actually love to do? Or what would you love to mm. be able to do? And I think it came back to, it was always the, the cosmetic dentistry. It was always the kind of high-end restorative sort of thing with Invisalign that I wanted to be able to do. I just think for years before, I had in my head that I didn't have the skills to do it. So I kind of shut it off. Um, and he just really gave me the drive to, to really pursue it and he said well like if you don't have a go at it then you're never going to know like how it's going to work out so um that's where we started doing more stuff on instagram that's where i really made a push to try to get better at kind of cosmetic dentistry especially composite bonding i learned a lot more about how that then fits with invisalign and how the whole ortho restorative cycle works and then it's just gone crazy from there. Like it's really taken off. Um, so I think like that was a long-winded answer to your question, but I think my passion probably always really deep down was in cosmetic dentistry. I was probably just a little bit afraid to really pursue it because I didn't think I had the skills. And I was probably also a little bit afraid to almost admit it to myself that that's what I really wanted to do because I just thought it was something that, was probably out with my skill set and capabilities, to be honest. I think that's such a healthy attitude to have towards all of this, because I see now students who haven't even gone into dentistry, 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds who say, I'm going to be an orthodontist or I'm going to be an oral surgeon. And the reality is you're never going to know what you like and what you're good at until you actually start doing things. So I think your journey is actually a very, very healthy way of finding out by process of elimination Um, what you like doing and I think a lot of it is nature versus nurture I think a lot of things you can actually learn and looking at your Instagram right now you wouldn't have known that you're not an artistic person some of the work that you do most all of the work that you do is incredible and I see it and I I think you're you're amazing and I would have never thought that you don't consider yourself as an artistic person to start off with Um, but how did you learn it because it, it can be learned And I think a lot of young dentists and a lot of us, you know, look at things on Instagram and don't know the story behind it, don't know the journey behind it. And we compare ourselves, you know, to to everyone. And there's so many people we can compare ourselves to. And it's really easy to just get depressed and upset thinking we're never going to be good enough. And these people are just naturally and innately good. And it's just something that they've been born with. And you don't actually understand and appreciate that hours of work, the years of work that's gone into that, the struggles that you've had the failures that you've had the the kind of roots that you went down like for example I would have never thought you would have considered yourself a surgical person before becoming an artistic yeah, person no, I know. <laughs> um, no I know like I suppose like I think that's like I think one of my like in my opinion one of my like best kind of personality traits or skills is that like I do and I didn't always have this from obviously being at university or being younger but like I now believe that it is possible to 
to really develop skills in any area of your life, not just in clinical dentistry. So like I would now back myself to like I know like how much hard work it takes, but if there was like something that I really wanted to pursue, I would really back myself to be able to develop that skill and to get good at it, regardless of where my kind of starting point is. Because as you say, like some of these guys that you see on Instagram and some of the work that you see, like I was the person who was sitting there previously going, I just like physically, I will never, ever Mm. be able to do that. And um, that's true. If that is what your belief is, you will never be able to do it. But if you, if you really have like a, a passion and a drive for something, it's not easy. Like it does take a lot of time. It takes a lot of hard work, but you can really get your skills to whatever level you want to get to. And I I believe that's on the stage of like some of the clinicians that you see that are like absolutely world-class. They're only there because if you were to dive into their backstory, the number of hours that they put into refining their skills is it would be quite scary, I think, for the average GDP to really understand. Um, like with my own journey, I feel as if I'm clinically and artistically getting much better all the time. I've gone on various courses on composite courses and in kind of general cosmetic dentistry courses, which all have their merits. And I think you need to learn the, the fundamentals um, in the first place. But I don't think you're ever going to go on any course and come back on the Monday morning and be like... Mm a totally different dentist that's what I used to think and that was another thing which fed into the belief of I would go on a course I would come back I would kind of be the same maybe like five percent better and then I would get frustrated because I'm like I can't do this um but it wasn't really until it's sometimes hard to almost get the ball rolling with doing cases but we now do composite cases in practice every single day of the week so it's not until you start to do it every day for years mm-hmm. that you really start to see your skills like getting better and better all the time. So it really is just a repetition thing. I say to young dentists all the time that we do some mentoring for, if you've got gaps in between patients, like if you really want to get better at this stuff, you should be sitting, like doing your own wax ups. You should be using like expired or out of date composite and practicing doing like composite restorations or composite veneers on models of teeth like you need to put the time in and that can either be on something like models or if you've got the cases and patients there then perfect but yeah I think it's really just about it's really hard work and it's frustrating and it's like you but you have to go through that kind of feedback cycle to ultimately get to where you want to be but it's more than possible for like anyone who's listening to to be able to pursue any area of dentistry that they want. And that the only real limiting factor is like in your own head is my biggest piece of advice. Yeah. Do you know, I relate to that so much because I, by nature, I'm a very, very impatient person, which sounds strange with the profession we've, profession we've chosen. Oh, me too. Yeah. But with everything, I look at it and I want things done yesterday. I want, I want to be this incredible dentist who's good at everything without putting in any work. 
and it frustrates me that yeah. I have to put in all this work and I think some people that are amazing at it are innately good and it wasn't until I started shadowing some of the people that I look up to and some of my mentors that I actually realized I had a light bulb moment and I was like hang on a second it takes everybody just as long to do a crown prep everybody has to do every single stage well there's no shortcuts it's not that these people who are amazing suddenly have this you know highway that they go on and they bypass everything no every everyone does things step by step so it's given me so much context to look at that and so much perspective so now when I'm doing for example crown prep or composite bonding whatever it is I'm doing I'm thinking actually everybody who is doing this has to do every single step well it's not like they suddenly have this shortcut to success just because they're good they have to do every single step and I think once you realize that and appreciate it then you stop becoming frustrated you stop getting sort of impatient and you go through the motions and you get better slowly slowly and actually you realize that there are no shortcuts and you have to go through everything and and the people that you look up to they've gone through everything as well so be it when you do a procedure you have to do every single step or when you get good at a procedure you have to go on these courses you have to practice again and again and again and some of these people that we look up to if you speak to them if you look at the work they were doing years ago it's not going to be as good as that and that's the beauty of dentistry you get better you learn more and suddenly you realize that actually I'm never going to be the best person but I'm always going to be getting better because who are you going to look up to as the best person in the world there is there isn't that person there's always going to be somebody who's better than you or your mentor or your you know the person that you look up to your idol exactly and I think it's the same with any aspect of life as well as anything that's worth achieving has to be hard work so if you want to be really really good at anything like it, it has to be hard work because otherwise everyone would be on the same level and it wouldn't be as much of an achievement to get there so yeah um yeah so we try not to get frustrated with the process it's about if you then understand that people who are maybe a little bit further ahead in the journey than what you are if you realize that they've gone through the same thing that you're doing just now and this is what i say when we're training delegates on starting to introduce invisalign into their practice we always say they do the training course and on the day their confidence is like an all-time high um they then go to implement it into their own practice and it, the confidence level quite quickly drops off mm. um especially if they don't put things into practice straight away we've got loads of ongoing help and support but it's still quite uh, a prospect to start to speak about the treatment plans the amount of money providing a procedure that you've never completed through mm. to finish before it's quite a difficult thing for people to implement into practice but i just say to them like we have all been there like everyone who now does lots and lots of cases and has really integrated it as part of their practice has been at this stage that you feel where you're like lacking in confidence mm. it's just a really scary prospect and it feels a bit overwhelming but that's the kind of area that you can either quit and give up or you can really push through it. And it's the ones that push through it that go on to become really, really successful. So um, I think that becomes easier hearing it from someone who's been there and done that and felt those feelings themselves. Because I know for me, when I started to do Invisalign, it was, it was a really scary prospect to, to start to think about moving someone's teeth when, something that I'd never done like on my own in yeah. practice before so yeah. it's quite a big step to take um but if you know that everyone that does it has been there 
then I think it makes it a little bit easier. And it's only going to get better from then. You only have to go through that initial fear and just just being really, really scared only once. Like the first time we held a drill, the first time I remember I was doing an amalgam fitting or whatever it was, you felt petrified. But now you do it every single day. So that's like that with any new thing that you do in life. So once you get over that initial fear, it's only going to get better. And honestly, now I look back, like with Invisalign, for example, I look back and I'm I was really, really petrified. Like I would put the aligners in and I'm like, is this fitting? Well, I don't know. But now it's it's almost second nature. And it, it, the only way to do that and to get there is to do lots of cases and get over that initial fear. Otherwise, you're yeah. just going to fail and not go through that. Definitely. And I also think Invisalign itself helps because the system has got so much behind it in terms of research and development and technology that like I just say like place trust into the system and like trust that it's going to get you from A to Z to get you into the swing of doing those first few cases definitely so tell me how did you get involved with teaching so going from all of this I mean is is a lot newer than I anticipated because all of this really happened for you within the last couple of years since lockdown I would say um so how did you get involved in teaching with Invisalign so it's the teaching thing's interesting because um teaching was always something that I wanted to do. So, like I said before, I didn't want to go back and work in university or anything like that because um it just wasn't for me. But I always like wanted to run courses or do some sort of teaching because I I, I really find it rewarding um when you can explain something to to a dentist and you see the moment that the get it or they understand it and you can see how they're then going to put that back into practice to make their day-to-day work much better um so I always knew I wanted to do some sort of teaching I probably thought it might be another 10 years down the line like if I'm being honest but we came back um and when we got back to work after lockdown I'd started doing like a little bit more Invisalign just before lockdown and then when we came back we really like during lockdown we really focused on the social media side of things and then we came back to practice and done from doing like eight cases a year like I was doing like 10 cases a month and within like six months we had completed sort of 60 or 70 cases and I then like had some contact from Aligner Consulting who are the company who basically do most of the educational side of things mm. for Align in terms of the the certification courses, etc. Um so like we just had discussions and I basically like made it quite clear that like becoming like a speaker or an educator was something that I would be quite keen to do. Um and they were actually fantastic because they didn't really throw me in at the deep end. Um they wanted to get me on board and they wanted me I think it, traditionally a lot of the, the kind of teaching I had in my head maybe another 10 years down the line and mm. um, so a lot of teaching in dentistry does come from maybe some dentists who are like a bit more experienced or have been qualified for a little bit longer than what I have but um, I think sometimes the teaching comes really well from someone who's just been in the shoes of the delegates like fairly recently and who understands some of their struggles and especially young associates as well because I'm still an associate myself so um, sometimes that teaching comes better from that sort of place so we basically had like 
a year-long program essentially where I was doing lots of shadowing of some of the other dentists who were already running the courses and um, I would maybe start to do some co-presenting on some of the more straightforward aspects of the teaching um, and they really just like held my hand until they got me to a point where I mean the the educational side of like aligner consulting especially is it's unbelievable it's until you've seen behind the scenes it's really second to none in terms of how the education is delivered and how many kind of different aspects are taken into account i used to think that like teaching a specialist certification course would be quite simple because it's quite basic but it's really well structured and planned how the information is put across to give kind of best impact for the delegates um, so it took a while for me to really understand and get a really, really in-depth knowledge of not only what I was teaching, but how they wanted me to teach it. And then from there, like we managed to get started with uh, delivering the full kind of certification course. And yeah, it's just kind of taken off from there. Um, we've done lots online over the last year or so. Um, we're now back in person and it's just nice for me to get to kind of travel and do some teaching in different locations and things. And um, yeah, it's kind of, it's just given me a nice outlet from the clinical side of things, especially when I find the teaching part so rewarding. You know, I think it's so important what you said there about we're all self-critical as, as people who've been training in education for a long time and trying to be the best at everything and do well in everything I think it was so so self-critical and initially my reaction would be that am I good enough to teach or am I good enough to actually be there telling people about something when I haven't I haven't got it all figured out myself but I think there's so much merit the teaching coming from somebody who has been in in the same place as a delegate at some point and I think uh, there's a time and space for everything you know, there's older dentists who have a lot to share, but there's also younger dentists who also have something to share and they all come from slightly different perspectives and they're all equally valuable. Valuable. So I don't think it's a case of us saying we're not good enough to do certain things, especially when it comes to teaching. Um, I think it's just saying there's a time and place for everything. There's merit in this, as well as teaching coming from older dentists. They all have slightly different things to share. So I think it's really important and I think it's really valuable what you're doing because I'm sure the delegates really, really appreciate that actually a couple of years ago, you were in the exact same position that they were not doing many cases, but it is possible for you to turn that around. And it hasn't been something that you've been doing for years and years. It's something that suddenly becomes something and you're getting better at it because you're doing more cases and it can lead to wonderful things like more opportunities in the fields that you want to go down. And for example, for you as teaching, for others, it may be other things. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also about having the support system in the background as well, because um, some of the mentors that I now have with Alina Consulting for doing a lot of the teaching are, first of all, especially at the start, really reinforced that belief that I actually can do it because I was probably of the, a little bit of the mindset that it was something I really wanted to do, but they really kind of held me back until they were really confident that I was yeah. like totally ready to do it, but also gave me the confidence to then to then go on and, and, and really make a start. Um, and like, it's, I suppose it's the same with everything. Like you need mentors behind you because you need someone to bounce questions off yeah. and to get feedback from. And um, after they've looked through like so many of my cases and they've, you know, like they've seen that 
I treatment plan things in the way that they want to then teach. Everything becomes very standardized and then that then gives you confidence to then go on and deliver the content as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, going back to your social media, because I feel like all of this really came from your social media in a way of putting yourself out there, getting recognition and and all of that. How did you go about building a social media page and then it becoming so consistent and so visually pleasing? And I think when you look at your social media, there's a very clear branding, there's a very clear message. Um, It's a very, very beautiful way of showcasing your work, um, whether it be clinical work or your teaching. How did you go about setting that up? So, like, probably, like, um, so I graduated 2015. I probably set my Instagram up in maybe 2018, so maybe, like, a few years qualified. Like, I got my own logo made up. Uh, Like, I did all this branding, which I thought was cool. And then I probably just, like, started posting things, and I thought that it would just, like, take off itself. And then for, like, a couple of years, like, it it just didn't. Um, So I think... Sometimes the problem with Instagram is it's a real slow burner to start with. So you start to maybe share cases, don't get much engagement, you don't have many followers. Um, It's really easy again at that point to become disheartened and just stop. Um, But what I did was I just kept going with it. So like I would just continually post content, um, especially when we went into lockdown, I was posting like stories every single day like of me talking on camera of before and afters just a general kind of promo like filler content almost um and it's it's just one of these things that you you need to do that for a long 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 time Mm. with no real like tangible returns or results yeah and then at some point you just start to get patience and then it kind of snowballs because then you start to get more patients coming to see you for the type of dentistry you want. And then you get more cases under your belt and you get more before and after photos, which is more content to post. But also your work gets better because you're doing more cases. And then it just like it just continually like kind of yeah. snowballs from there. And to a point where like about 95% of my cases and my patients that I see day to day like come through Instagram, like in the first instance. So it's pretty much all of my patient base. Um, And it's really nice because by the time that patient then gets into my chair, they've already seen hundreds of before and afters. They've already like seen my work. There's already a real kind of trust that's been established through that, even though they've not maybe met me personally. Um, And that then makes the next part, which is the consultation process, like a lot, lot easier. Um, because the treatments I then suggest, this patient's already seen like a back catalogue of like loads of loads of cases that they just trust me to get them to that end point, which is nice because it's often like a bit of a battle if you're just getting patients in off the street and they don't know you, they've not seen your work, becomes like a little bit more difficult to get them to go ahead with some of the treatment plans that would really benefit them. Yeah, I think that's so important because I think within the profession, there's a lot of confusion about whether patients who come from social media are actually good or not, basically. And I think I found the exact same thing that you 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 were saying, the patients that come through, it's not only patients that come through, but patients that come through have really spent a long time 
monitoring your work you know some of the patients that come to see me they've been following me for since the beginning and only now they're ready to convert yeah so you'd be surprised at what's going on behind the scenes with the content that you do post and like you're saying you know you're not going to be an overnight success it just takes lots of consistent hard work to then see the rewards of it and I think the patients that come through social media for me as well are exactly the same as what you're saying they come in trusting you, understanding you and knowing exactly what they want and knowing that you can deliver those results for them. And I think that does a lot of the hard work for you compared to if it was a regular patient, a regular checkup patient that you converted, for example. And for me, the added benefit of patients that come through social media are they say you attract patients similar to yourself. So a lot of my patients are young female professionals that come in um, you know, they care about how they look, they know exactly what they want, and they're very invested and committed in that treatment. Because as we know, with something like Invisalign, the patients have to be really, really committed and invested to investing that time that it takes to get the results. You know, they're not suddenly going to think that without wearing the aligners, they're going to get their teeth straight. So I think it's very important that the content that you're putting out there is one, consistent, and two, is relative to what you're trying to do. And I think that's when, when patients ask about advice, uh, when, when uh, people of the profession ask about advice and what to do on social media, I think it's important to know your why. If you're trying to get patients, co provide content to provide education for patients and know that when you do this, it's not like a magic button or a magic wand that tomorrow you're going to get 100 patients come through your door. No, it takes a lot of hard work for you to then build a following and get patients to trust you. And again, like you're saying, I relate to this so much because you get patients through, you do more work, you get better, you have more before and afters. And it's just a, it's a positive feedback that grows exponentially. So initially it might not be that much reward, but then after a certain point, it grows very rapidly. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think like another point um, for people who are starting with like Instagram and social media in general, I think, um, like you say, it's about being really consistent. So about being consistent with your content. So the before and after photos that I post, I've got a keynote presentation um, on my MacBook, which has just got one slide, which has got my logo up one side and it's got spaces for a before and an after. All the photos go onto the same template and they're then exported uh, to go into Instagram. So when you flick through it, everything's all really neat and consistent and tidy. Um, and also, I'm personally a big fan of the, the kind of type of before and after that you post. Mm. So the only before and afters that I post, like my recommendation for people who are starting out, only post smiles, like smile before yeah. and afters. Like yeah. it's my personal like thing. And I did that for for the first like two or three years. I only posted like before and afters of smiles um, because that's what patients want. And that's what patients want to then pay to have done. Yeah. Often dentists are really into posting like retracted, retracted shots, yeah. like with like rubber dam where they've done crown preps or veneer preps and they're taking close-ups and there's blood and that might be quite if you want again it's about like really knowing your audience. Yeah. So yeah. if you want to be a dentist who's into doing lots of education and teaching to run courses for other dentists then like by all means like go ahead like guys like uh george the dentist some of his like workflows because he's like he knows his audience so yeah. like for other dentists to see like it's super super impressive purely for patients then i think smiles work best because yeah. they don't want to see all the background work uh, they just want to see the before and after and 
you almost want to picture a patient seeing themselves in that before and after. So they, I want my patients to look at a before and after and think they can get from there to there, like as quickly as that. Mm. And they can almost start to see themselves like as a version of themselves in the after photo. Then the other thing I've started to post more recently with some of the composite stuff is more close-ups just of the single arts that we're treating with like a black uh, contrastor behind, um, which I wasn't sure about doing to start with, but the engagement from patients on that when I was posting it just on stories to begin with was actually really positive and people really liked it. Um, so that's it. So I've just got two types of before and afters. It's like close-up retracted with a black contrastor but it's still neat and tidy. There's never any blood or rubber dam or anything like that, or it's just smiles. So I think that's something which if more dentists posted consistently and formats like that, they'd probably see their growth. Yeah. Do you know, and I think it's so important to understand that it's social media is an interactive platform. You can ask your audience what they want to see and you can, what I, what I like to call it is you can audit your work. I mean, it's not something I call it. It is auditing your work. But you, yeah. you see what works better and you can go from there and post more of that. And a lot of it is trial and error. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But it's just it's definitely about thinking, well, if I was a patient, what would I want to see? What would you want to see? Like, yeah, because I often ask like family and like my wife or my mum or something they'll like be very honest from a patient perspective and they'll go no like I don't understand what you're trying to like get across (laughs) with this Uh, and other times it's like oh no like that actually looks really good so it's quite nice sometimes to get like a non-dental view on things yeah absolutely Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jonathan. It's been such an insightful chat and it's so amazing to see what you've done in, I would say, a relatively short amount of time. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me and hopefully some of the information we've given out um, makes a real positive impact because I'm really passionate about young dentists especially, really pursuing the area of dentistry that gives them the most fulfillment and if we've broken down any barriers at all that people have in their own heads as to what they can achieve, then absolutely perfect. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode and hopefully learned a few things. I know I certainly did. And as always, don't forget to let me know what you thought of this episode. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Shadi Manicherry. I always love hearing your responses. And if you have any requests for future podcast episodes, please let me know there. I do usually listen if there are specific requests that are quite popular. As always, there will be a new episode every week. So please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. And I can't wait to speak to you soon.